Good. So the title of the next 20 minutes is The Ruthless Elimination of Sin. And um, we're in this little short, short series where we're talking about things that we don't often, don't often talk about. So Andy talked last week about abstinence and fasting and you know, temporarily laying things down. And um, this morning is, is a follow-on from that in many ways, but where Andy was saying last week, actually maybe you need to just fast Netflix for three or four weeks, possibly. Really this morning is, is, is much more and very much rooted in the Bible. Actually, if Netflix is causing you to sin, throw your TV away because that's much more important. And that's just paraphrasing one of the, uh, one of the verses that we're going to look at shortly from the Sermon on the Mount, where in a lot of ways Jesus is addressing in the Sermon on the Mount the Old Testament, Ten Commandments, don't lie, don't steal, don't murder. And Jesus takes that and he says, well... You've heard it said, don't murder. And all of us should be able to put our hands up and say, I'm confident I'm not going to murder anyone today. But actually, Jesus takes that and says, you've heard it said, don't murder. But actually, don't, don't get angry. Don't be angry. And for me, I'm, you know, I can get up in the morning and be confident I'm not going to murder anyone. Not being angry, not getting angry. Well, there's plenty of days I go to bed at night and think, I blew that, I made a right mess of that. And it's easy, it should be easy for me to get up in the morning and say, I'm confident I'm not going to commit adultery today. But actually, there's lust lurking in my heart. And that's the thing that Jesus is saying, put that to death, actually. And so is this morning, is this serious? Yes, very. Is it condemning? No, not at all. It's freeing. It's absolutely liberating. And we're going to give people a chance later on with the ministry team to, to repent of things, to lay things down and come to Jesus and say, I'm, I'm actually, I'm laying this down and walking away from it and I want to be free of it. And that's a good thing. Repentance is a good thing. Repentance isn't something that binds people up. Repentance is the gateway to freedom and liberation is a good thing. So when Jesus says, repent, he's saying, if you're gonna live how I want you to live, turn away from this and turn towards me. So serious, yes, condemning, no, freeing and liberating. And as Lindsay was sharing, and as we've been singing, and Wendy sharing as well, I, th I think there are gonna be people that walk out of here free of things this morning, absolutely free of things and where maybe you're not even aware at the moment, possibly it's something that's baggage and weighing you down and tripping you up, that actually by the time you leave here today, you can come to the cross, come to Jesus and say, help me, I need to lay this down and walk away. And as you walk away, you can walk away free. So that's a good thing. Mainly what I'm gonna be doing is connecting a few verses from the Bible with just a couple of illustrations and it's really important that we get to breaking bread and, and praying and, and seeing what God wants to do. So, Revelation chapter 2, first seven verses, says this, and Clive referenced one of these 
letters to the churches in Revelation a couple of weeks ago. And what's fascinating, what I find fascinating about these, uh, the early chapters of Genesis is where Jesus is speaking to the seven churches, actually he tells five of the seven churches to repent. It's a pretty serious thing. And this is one of those churches. It says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I've seen your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they're apostles but are not. You've discovered they're liars. You've patiently suffered for me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you've fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I'll come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favour. You hate the evil deeds of the Nicolaitans, just as I do. Anyone who has ears to hear must listen to the Spirit and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life from the paradise of God. You know, the first half of that, all, all these good things, good things that the church in Ephesus is doing. And then you get to the point where Jesus says, but I have this complaint against you. You've lost your first love. You've lost the reason why you're doing it in the first place. And it is so, it can creep up, but it's so easy for that to happen. And it's so easy for that to happen while we're doing all the good things that we're doing for God. I remember probably 12 or so years ago, um, my, job, my job used to be basically, for want of a better way of explaining it, a Christian musician, a professional Christian musician. Playing at conferences and writing songs and making records and, you know, that was my job. And that was good. And, you know, you kind of go, I'm a professional worshipper, that's what I do. Which is nice. But there was this night about, it was about 12 years ago, um, and I was leading worship at a prayer meeting, standing right where I am now, leading worship at a prayer meeting, and led worship at a prayer meeting, we had the prayer meeting, I was packing up my guitar at the end, and Ollie came up to me at the end, and he said, can I just have a word with you? And I said, yeah, sure. We've known each other 20, 20 years, we're good friends. Um, and he said, what I saw you doing tonight was I saw a really good musician who knows how to string songs together and who knows how to lead worship because you've done it hundreds of times and who knows how to get the right song into the next song, into the next song, and who knows how to lead his way towards when people are praying. He said, but I didn't see you worshipping God tonight and I think you've lost that. I was like, oh, do you? <laughs> All right. Um, and he was right. And for me, I'd spent my life, my working life, as a professional Christian worshipper, to have God actually reveal to me, Martin, you've kind of lost the reason you did this in the first place. You need to get back to doing this. You need to get back to worshipping first. Exactly as, as Jesus says here, but this I hold against you, this complaint I have, against you, you don't love me or each other as you did at first, look before you fall and turn back to me and do the works you did at first, repent and turn back. And, and for me, that night it was tough, but it was liberating. Because for me, in an instant, it was like, you know, you're right, actually. I spent so much of my time professionally doing the worship thing 
that I've kind of lost sight of actually why I do it in the first place. And we mustn't be people who are so busy with doing stuff, like Martha was in the Bible, Mary and Martha, sisters in the Bible, where Martha was so busy doing stuff and getting stuff ready around the house and Jesus was there and Jesus was speaking and Martha's busily getting everything sorted and Mary's sitting at Jesus' feet, listening, and Martha says to Jesus, can you just get her to stop? Can you just get her to help me? Because she's just sitting listening. And Jesus says, but she's doing, she's doing the right thing. She's spending time with me, as she should be. Martha, you need, to, you need to stop, basically. So we need to be very conscious that in all the stuff that we're doing in a busy, big church of figuring out how we're strategically working life through that actually the most important thing always has got to be, should be, we just love Jesus. That's the first thing. And the rest of it will be fine. But it's so easy it, it, and it can creep up on us just losing that first love of Jesus. As I said at the start, repentance is a good thing. Repentance is not a heavy thing. In 2 Corinthians um, chapter 7, Paul says, for the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. This is a good thing. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow. If you walk out of here today having laid stuff down, there's no regret for that kind of sorrow. There's no regret for that kind of repentance. It's only life from here onwards. It's only freedom from here onwards. But worldly sorrow which lacks repentance results in spiritual death. Which then leads us into Sermon on the Mount. Jesus was ruthless when he was talking about sin. Absolutely ruthless. And he says in Matthew chapter 5, You've heard the commandment that says you must not commit adultery, but I say to you, anyone who even looks on a woman with lust has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So if your eye, even your good eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. For it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your hand, even your stronger hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And just as Lindsay was saying this morning, you know, actually, it may be, it may be that you personally are absolutely fine watching TV and it doesn't cause you any problems and any sin. And that's good. And you can enjoy that. And it may be, as Andy was saying last week, actually, do you need to kind of take some time to just re refocus? Do you need to take a couple of weeks to refocus and lay something down, lay this down? Or it may be, as Lindsay was alluding to this morning, actually for you personally, in a personal relationship with Jesus, this thing just needs to go. And actually, if it's, if it's TV, well, get rid of the TV. Because as Jesus says here, if your good hand causes you to sin, cut it off. That's the best thing to do, if that's the case. If your good eye causes you to sin, well, cut it out. That's the best thing to do. And he goes on and says more and more of these things. And um, it's all about so at the start, changing of the heart and Jesus doing surgery on our hearts. And we've been singing this morning, you know, we all sang 
our hearts are open to you. To you, our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. And as we were singing that, I just kind of thought, actually, yeah. To you, our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. So what do you want to do in our hearts this morning? What internal things do you want to do in our hearts and with our hearts this morning? You know, there's um, a story I heard of... uh, Pickpocket in London from the 18th century, I think. Pickpocket in London, and where the penalty for pickpocketing used to be either execution or losing your hand. And the story of Pickpocket in London who caught pickpocketing, pocket picking, pocket picking, yeah. Um, Tried, convicted, right hand cut off. So then, did it with his left hand instead. Tried, convicted, Left hand gone. So then, pickpockets with his teeth. Because if you don't get to the heart of it, if you don't get to the root of the problem, well, it doesn't really matter what you do, you've got to get to the root of the problem. And the root of the problem is the heart. Not, and that's what, really what Jesus is saying. These external things that were in the Old Testament, uh, Ten Commandments, Jesus is saying these things are internal. All these things are internal for you to be aware of and deal with when we need to deal with them. And it's when, it's not if. You know, there's, no, there's none of us sitting here that, doesn't, that, that don't, at various points, need to deal with. Well, these things lurking in my heart that I need to deal with. In Colossians chapter three, Paul says, think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all his glory. So put to death the sinful earthly things lurking within you. Have nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lust, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshipping the things of this world. Such fascinating language there, and fascinating truth there, where Paul is saying, you have died to this life, you are dead to this life, and you are alive to the things of God. Those things have happened and are true. And then the next thing he says is, so, because you have died, put to death the things that are lurking inside you. And there's an ongoing, active putting to death. You know, there's people sitting here who who are recovering alcoholics, recovering drug addicts, people that are in recovery and really what we're saying when we talk about recovery and people that are alcoholics that are in recovery for the rest of their lives really what we're saying is well that person is getting up in the morning and saying today I am going to put to death the evil thing that lurks inside me and then tomorrow I'll do the same thing and then the next day I'll do the same thing, and then the next day I'll do the same thing, and for the rest of my life, I will put these things to death. And that's really what we're saying. And Colossians 3 actually goes on to say, it's it's not on the slide, but Paul goes on to say, having put to death and ongoingly put to death, put to death, keep putting to death, it's an active ongoing thing, it's not in the past, put to death, put to death. Paul then goes on to say, and put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So there's an active put into death daily of, I'm going to put this thing to death. 
for me, there's things where every day I have to say, I'm putting this thing to death today, and there's some days where I go to bed, like I said earlier, and go, I didn't put that thing to death today, and that was really stupid of me, and tomorrow I will put it to death again, because it's a little thing that lurks inside my heart. And I'm going to put on the new self, because that's what's being renewed in the knowledge after the image of my creator. And that's the thing to focus on. That's one of the things to focus on. Now in James, I was kind of weaving a few verses together. James chapter 1 says, Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. And the, the verse before that verse says, you know, when you're tempted, don't say that God is tempting you. God cannot tempt. And you kind of expect it to then say, temptation comes from the devil, but it doesn't. James says, temptation comes from where? Our own, my own desire. That's where temptation comes from, my own desire lurking inside me, which then entices to drag me away into sin and sin when it's fully formed, leads to death. And that, that, that's such a sad, um, sad image. You know, when a baby is fully formed in the womb, the mother gives birth to life. That's the way it should be. When sin is fully formed, sin gives birth to death. And it's the opposite of what it should be. And um, my... My dad died when I was 21, and um, he was an alcoholic. He started drinking when I was 10, and then he died when I was 21. And, um, and he just couldn't stop drinking. And he did sometimes at points, but he stopped and started again and stopped and started again. Sarah, could you put that James first back up? Thanks. And for 10 years, it, it, it was an awful struggle watching and being a part of that and watching, watch, watching him dying and then die. And um, about a year before he died, the doctor said to him, you, you have to stop drinking forever. You must stop drinking. If you ever drink again and go back to, you know, if you fall back into drinking, you're done. Your body won't cope with it again. You've pushed it to the limit, and next time, that's it. It's about a year before he died. And um, for the next few months, he, he would get back from work and not go to the pub. It was like drinking culture of, you know, get back from work, go to the pub for a couple of hours with your friends. And for a few months after that, my dad would get home from work and stay at home and not go to the pub and not drink. And that, actually, that was the, probably one of the happiest two months where just things seemed all right. Um, but then after a couple of months, he'd get back from work and he'd go to the pub and drink an orange juice. And on one level you go, well, that's okay. Well, it's not okay. Because actually what happened was he went to the pub and drank orange juice so that he could see his friends. And then a few weeks after that, he went from drinking orange juice to drinking alcohol-free beer. And it's like, well, on some level, well, that's okay as well, kind of. And then, obviously, what happens next is not going to the pub, 
becomes going to the pub and drinking orange juice. Drinking orange juice becomes drinking alcoholic beer. Al uh, sorry, non-alcoholic beer. Non-alcoholic beer becomes alcoholic beer, and alcoholic beer means death. And for my dad, that's literally what it meant. And if, if he had managed to stay at home, where when temptation comes along and you go, no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna give in to this. Who knows? Who knows what would have happened? But as soon as temptation drags us away, that gives birth to sinful actions, and sinful actions gives birth to death. And that is so much the opposite of what God wants for us and once for you and once for me. And it might be, it may well be that for some of us sitting here now, there are things, in fact there will be, there's five, six hundred of us sitting here, there are things. I don't need to say there may be things, there are things in us in the room. And actually there are things, when I was preparing this over the past few weeks, earlier this week actually, um, I caught myself sitting at home writing some of these notes and thinking, oh, I'd rather not say that on Sunday, that bit, I'd rather not say that bit on Sunday. And I felt, honestly felt the Spirit of God just say to me, rather than not saying it on Sunday, why don't you repent of that thing now and walk through with it and then say it on Sunday? It's like, yeah, I do. I need to repent of some of the stuff that's lurking in my heart that I need to put to death every single day because if I don't put it to death it's going to come to the surface and what happens next isn't good and there will be things there are things that we need to deal with before we leave here and there are things that people are going to need to lay down at Jesus' feet and say I repent of this thing and I want to walk free from it and away from it and into the life that Jesus has got for me. And actually, just like someone who is in recovery, and the thing I, I love these days, absolutely love hearing stories of recovery these days. I used to find it really hard. I used to find, like after my dad died, I used to find recovery stories of recovering alcoholics and drug addicts difficult to hear. Because it's like, oh, I wish my dad was in recovery and still here, and he's not. And these days I love hearing, love hearing people standing in the baptism pool and saying, by the grace of God, I have repented of my sins and Jesus is leading me into, into renewal day by day and step by step. And if actively I need to say, I will put this thing to death today so that I can follow Jesus, that's what I'm going to do. And that's part of my worship of God. I just want to land with this quote from a book on the Sermon on the Mount, actually, that I've been reading recently. It's by Kent Hughes. And Kent Hughes, writing about the, uh, the verses that I mentioned a few minutes ago from Matthew chapter 5, Kent Hughes says this, and this is for us today. If God is speaking to you about some things that need to be put out of your life, do what he says today. If God is telling you to change your visual habits, then do it for your soul's sake 
and for that of your family. If God is saying that relationship must end, then do it today. Or perhaps there is some pleasure that is okay for others, but it's causing you to stumble. And that's really important. And as I said, there are things which, you know, as Andy was saying last week, there are things that for some people, those things aren't sin, but they need to be kept in good measure and kept to check on. And those same things for someone else is sin, and sin leads to death. And actually, a glass of wine for someone is a glass of wine. A glass of wine for someone else is, do you need to lay this down for a while? And a glass of wine for someone else is, you can't do that. You can't do that. You have to put it to death. And it's one of the, in, in many ways, it's one of the beautiful things about being in a living relationship with God, where it isn't just any longer, don't steal, don't murder, don't lie, don't commit adultery, but actually, actually, for you today, if Jesus is saying, get rid of that thing so that you can be who I need you to be, want you to be, that's a good thing. That's an amazing thing that God would, would do that. And very importantly, crucially, as Paul says in Romans, it's by the Spirit that we put these things to death. It's not, you know, when I watched my dad, I was thinking, oh, I wish my dad was a Christian, and he wasn't. And watching someone try and battle the unwinnable without God was awful. And actually, as Paul says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. It's, with, it's by the power of God and the Spirit living within us that we can say, I will put these things to death. Why? Because I've got the Spirit of God living inside me. And it's His power that I'll do this in. Because if I'm left to my own devices, I'm going to mess the entire thing up all the time. And actually, even if it's lurking inside me, then Jesus, by your grace and your Spirit living in me, help me walk free of it. And the rest of this quote from Kent Hughes. If God is saying that relationship must end, then do it today. Or perhaps there is some pleasure that is okay for others, but it's causing you to stumble and you know it must go. If so, get rid of it right now. You cannot do it through your own willpower. Obey God with humility and prayer. Ask him for strength and then do what he says. Now let's not underestimate that. Obey God with humility and prayer, ask him for strength and then do what he says. Sally, Matthias, do you want to bring the band back? Please. What we're going to do in a second, we're going to break bread and pray and sing, worship God, see what God wants to do, see what God wants to say. We've got, we've got loads of time. One thing that we've asked is if the ministry team, actually ministry team, could you start making your way over to that corner now? Is that okay, please? And actually, if you're on the ministry team and you need to repent of anything and walk free from it, free from it then, then great. As you're walking, say to the person walking next to you, can you pray for me first? Because as I said, this is, there is no shame attached to this at all. There's no condemnation. There's no guilt attached to it. It's purely, 
Repentance is the gateway to walking free, and it's the gateway into freedom. And God wants you to be free. Jesus wants you to be free. So what we're going to do... Um, actually, guys and girls, could you, could you kind of leave the table free? Sorry, it's my fault for bad planning. Um, what I don't want this to be is a kind of, any kind of visual, um, visual stumbling block for anyone. So what I'm going to do is, in a second, if, if we all want to stand up and collect bread and juice and we'll take communion, and actually, if God is saying to you, you need to go and be prayed for, you need to obey with humility and get prayer and ask him for the strength to do what he says, if that's you, as everyone is going to the tables around the room, just make your way to the prayer team on the side of the wall and say, can you just pray for me? And before you break bread and, and take communion, go and stand with someone and get them to pray for you. And let's just see what God wants to do. But in a second, John, do you want to stop playing? Thanks. So in a second, if we all want to stand up and go and get bread and juice and we'll take communion and a prayer team that would love to pray for you and help you be free so make your way over there as well to them and let's see what God wants to do from here okay